0: The following audio is from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Acts is available at actschurchleander.com. Romans 4 verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised.
1: Well, good morning and God's blessings to you. Uh, In early service... I had several comments on this shirt. Yes, this is a Cambodian dress shirt, but we only wear these for very special occasions like weddings and teaching at places like Axe Church. This is not normal everyday wear. Um, I, I'm Greg Holtz. I was here back in January. Uh, I was coming to town because I'm actually doing my DCE certification through Concordia, Texas, and I was talking to Grant Carey, and, he, and he's invited me to come share with you again this Sunday. And I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start in the opposite order I normally do. You know, if this, if this was a meal, we'd be going into the dessert first. I'm going to talk about my ministry, then I'm going to get into the lesson. Uh, can we go to our slides? So uh, our ministry is called Crossing Cambodia. Now, Cambodia is pretty much on the opposite side of the planet. It is, you know, 1130 here now, which means it's 1130 at night there. Uh, and our ministry works with street children. Now, Cambodia is one of the poorest countries in the world because of uh, the, the Khmer Rouge in the 70s, the civil war that followed the... You know, and, and a whole lot of other development problems that have held it back. Now, in Cambodia, people believe in reincarnation. They believe that if you're a good person in this life, in the next life, you'll have a better station. You'll be a wealthier person. If you're a bad person, you'll be in a worse station. You'll be a poorer person. And most people's attitude in Cambodia towards homeless people, towards street children, is that they were obviously horrible people in their previous lives, And so there is little to no motivation to do anything. In fact, there are a lot of people who feel that it is wrong to help them because you're just interfering with them receiving karma. And so nobody reaches out to these kids. Nobody wants to do anything. Even foreign organizations that want to work with them often give up because it is a very difficult ministry. And I got involved with Street Kids about seven years ago, coming up on five years ago, we started Crossing Cambodia as, our, as, a, as a project and an organization to reach out to these kids and care for them because, you know, they are still God's children. The, the gospel message resonates with them and their families because whilst their whole society says, you are worthless, you deserve what, where you are, God says, I love you. You are equal to everyone else in this world. And so we go out at 6 a.m. every day to places like what, the, what you saw there. That was, this is an abandoned railroad station where many of the kids live. Um, right now is the monsoon season in Cambodia, which means the, river, the water level, of the river up, the, a lot of those streets are flooded. The railroad station happens to be the probably the least desirable place in town. Like nobody wants it, and that's why street families settle there, because they know nobody's going to kick them out of there. They know no one's going to come and say, "Get out of here." We want we want this property because it's so undesirable. It's low, it's low lying. It's covered in trash. It floods during the rainy season, and the families will sleep on these tables. No, no, no bathrooms. No running water. No electricity. You know the kids just hop off, walk ways away from their table to go to the bathroom. You know, and so in the mornings we go out and we find them, and they are just they're filthy. They they smell terrible. And this is one of the reasons why people avoid them. People just treat them like vermin. And we go out every morning in a truck. I think that's the one. Yep. Which, by the way, uh, there were several people here who helped us get this truck. We just bought it back in April. Um, So thank you to everyone who helped us get that. We really needed that. Our old tiny truck was breaking down all the time. But we go out every morning in this truck. We find 25 children bring them into our center where we clean them up, we feed them breakfast, we get them into school uniforms and we enroll them in school. Uh, then we bring them back for lunch in the afternoons, we have tutoring, English classes, Bible lessons. Every Friday we have a, like a, a group worship chapel time for the kids and the whole point is that we are doing everything we can to fill in the gaps that their families are not doing. Their families are homeless, they have the same problems homeless people here have, you know, alcoholism, drug addiction, social issues. We do what we can to be like their families, and through that re- close relationship to them, we get to share the gospel to them. We get to tell them how much God loves them. And this year, we are enrolling 25 children in, in school. There's a couple kids missing from this picture, but this was from our first day of school this year. This is our fifth year putting kids in school. So our oldest kids are in the fifth grade. Our youngest kid is, kids are in preschool. But, you know, thank God we we are able to take care of 25 kids. Um, And if anyone wants to help us keep taking care of these kids, we do sponsorships for the kids. A full sponsorship is $100 a month, which is more than the average sponsorship, but that's because these kids need more than the average kid. They need more resources. They need more attention. You know, but for $100, you know, you probably spend that much, you know, probably spend not even that... way more than that just on food here, but for $100 we can feed the kid for, for the month, pay their school tuition, get them a school uniform, uh, pay for the transportation, part of the, you know, that also helps to cover the rent of our facility that we bring them to, and part of the salary of our children's advocates whose job it is to be like big brother, big sister to these kids, you know. So it, it you know, there's a lot that we can do for just $100. and you know, we, I also would like to ask you to please pray for me and my family. I've been working very hard at raising money for Cross Cambodia for five years, and the last thing I always forget to do is ask for money for myself. Um, I, my, my wife and I, we just had our third child back in April. Uh, so that's my family. My wife, Sinun, my son, Richard, my daughter, Julianne, and our baby daughter, Elena. And that's actually my sister, uh, who's Elena's godmother. We baptized her up in Minnesota in July. And, you know, I ask that you would please pray that God would continue to provide resources for me to keep doing this work, to keep uh, seeking out what we need to reach out to these kids to continue developing this ministry. Um, you know, it, as many of you know, raising uh, three kids is not cheap. And, you know, we're doing it on less than $2,000 a month. So uh, pray that, you know, God will continue to support us. Uh, you know, I, on January, I also shared with you that we are working on a farm project. Uh, we've been doing research all year on this, working hard to try and get this to come together. We've actually found a plot of land. We, are, we have a con- contract in which we're renting nine acres of land for $200 a year. And we're going to try to grow vegetables. The whole point is, as these kids get older, a lot of them want to quit school to find money. But, you know, if you're in, quitting the third grade and you're 13, who's going to hire you? So the point is, you know, if we, we want to strike a compromise with these kids. If you go to school in the morning, we'll give you a job on the farm in the afternoon. They get an income. They get work experience. They get job skills. In addition to that, whatever vegetables we grow, we can feed our kids at our center. And whatever we can sell goes into supporting our ministry long term. So like I said, we've been researching this. We've been putting it together little bit by little bit. You know, all total, everything we need, you know, from a tractor to irrigation supplies to... Uh, digging fish ponds is going to cost us probably around $30,000. I'm not, uh, not asking this church to give me $30,000 right now. I, I would appreciate it if you did. But, uh, you know, pray that God's going to bring that together for us. We also need to get another truck as a vehicle for the farm for moving supplies, taking things to market, and selling it all. Um, so please pray with us about that. You know, and if you have ideas or want to see our business plan, you know, come talk to me after the service. Also, I want to ask you to please pray for um, one of our staff. So if you get our newsletter, one of our prayer requests that went out just this last week was that uh, this fellow, Hang, one of our children's advocates, he was driving our tuk-tuk, which is like a motorcycle with a trailer, taking kids to school, and he was in an accident, in a side-on collision with a van. And his hand got caught between something and got crushed and broken in multiple places, and, you know, the medical bills are, well, are more than what he makes in three months. So we put out a, a quick appeal. Um, we got the money, thankfully, to pay for his medical bills, but we need to continue praying for him, not, not only because you know, we want him to get better, but Hang is also a new Christian. You know, he, he recently ca- came to become a Christian. He was only baptized about two months ago. We want him to know that even in, in times like this when he's got a broken hand when he hurts, That there is a community of faith, a community of believers, not just in Cambodia, but around the world that cares for him as a Christian. You know, we want him to grow in his faith through this as well. So please pray for him. And then finally, please pray, you know, just in general for our ministry, for these kids during the rainy season, because this is the time when mosquitoes breed, when diseases flourish. You know, they're living out on the sidewalks in the rain, in the cold, you know. Pray that we're able to get out there and meet their needs as these, before, before these problems come up or you know, in time to make sure it doesn't turn into a worse problem. Uh, obviously pray for our funding. As a missionary, that's the ever-present need that we always need is further support, further resources. Uh, pray for the farm project that I'm telling you about. We, you know, we're, we're getting close to getting our first crops planted, hopefully by the end of this year once the rainy season's over. You know, we're excited about that. We just need to keep on developing it to the point where it will eventually be sustainable. Um, you know, God's blessings to our staff, not just Hang, but the rest of our local staff. I, I, I share everywhere I go. You know, people come to me and say, thank you for what you're doing. And the reality is, I'm just the guy who gets to get up in front of you and talk about what we're doing. We have a staff of local Christians in Cambodia who are doing 90% of the actual work. Um, so please pray for them. The, they need your prayers, you know, as much as I do, if not more so. You know, and pray for, uh, obviously, our kids in school. This is the fifth year. You know. Most The first group of kids we started with, most of them never even thought they'd get through the first grade. And now they're going into the fifth grade. You know, pray that we keep going, that we keep caring for them. We want to get them all the way through high school. So pray that this year will go well, and the next seven years will go well, so that we can see our first group of kids graduate high school one day. Um, and you know, after service, if you get a chance, you know, stop by the tables over there on the side. You know, just say hi, sign up for our newsletter, buy something off the table. All that helps support what we're doing in Cambodia. Um, if you would be so kind as to buy some of the foot scrub, that was actually made by two of our older girls at our center. They they mixed up the coconut oil and sunflower oil and added, you know, the stuff to it to solidify it and put it in containers so that we could bring it back and sell it. You know. Uh, we need to move that because that weighs my luggage down tremendously, <laughs> and it makes great Christmas presents, by the way. And uh, so, you know, just come on by, talk to me about how you can be a part of of praying for us or joining us in ministry. And, you know, uh, now that I've I've shared all that with you, I, I get to talk about what it's like to be a missionary. And as I when I talked to Grant Carey about coming out here and teaching, you know, he he told me that you guys were going to be talking about the five solas. In fact, you know, I know, I've known there are five, but I grew up always hearing the three. And in fact, that's what we based our statement of faith on at Crossing Cambodia because it's something simple that everybody, that most Christians at least, can agree on and understand. You know, there's sola scriptura, uh, scripture alone. Sola fide, faith alone. Sola gratia, grace alone. Sola Christus, Christ alone. soli Deo, Deo gloria, which is glory to God alone. You know, Grant told me I was going to come out today and talk about sola fide, about faith. And when I met him earlier this week, I actually asked him, okay, what did you guys do last week so I can try and build off that? And then he told me, oh, actually, you're the first to talk about the solas, so no pressure, Greg. Um, And uh, to be honest, if, if I'd known I was going to be the first person to talk about it, I probably would have asked, could I please do grace? Because as a missionary, grace is my bread and butter. That's that's what I do every day. You know, I talk about how you can't earn your way into heaven, how God uplifts us, how God comes down to us. I could probably write a whole thesis on grace in a matter of days if you asked me to. That's, that, that's my thing. But I got faith. And so, you know, I've been thinking long and hard about faith. And you might be expecting today that I'm going to talk about some person who has great faith or uh, how do you improve your faith or how do you find faith or, you know... Uh, you know, how, how, how faith makes you do good works. In fact, I'm not actually going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about what is, what is your role in faith? What are we doing in faith? And so in preparing for this, I took a look at the Oxford English Dictionary, and there are two definitions. I'm going to start with the second one, which says, strong belief in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual conviction rather than proof. I think this is, this is probably the most common definition of faith that people people apply. They think about belief in a God or belief in something without proof. Strong belief without proof, in fact. So let's talk about faith alone through the lens of our belief. Now, as a missionary, I I meet a lot of people, and a lot of times I meet people who say that, you know, they ask me, why does God give his grace only to those who believe in him? They think grace is bunk because of faith, you know. Why is it only those select few who choose God get his grace? They say that's not gracious. Well, I, I've been thinking very long and hard about faith for several weeks in fact and, and really the more you think about it the more you realize how closely grace and faith are intertwined. In fact, how all the solos are intertwined. You know, Because when we talk about faith you know, we, we always talk about how important it is to have faith so that we can receive God's grace. But the hard part about the hard thing to understand uh, about faith is that our participation is not necessarily what's important for receiving God's grace. You know, I, I could get into how we come to faith, but that's a whole other can of worms. But, you know, I, my faith, uh, there are a lot of people who doubt my faith because I was baptized as a baby. They say, they say that, you know, in fact, actually, my baptism was October 7th, 1984, so almost exactly 33 years ago. Um, they say that I must have chosen God, that I must have a point where I accepted God into my heart. You know, even, even when people acknowledge my baptism, they still say that I received God, that I received him and, and receive his grace by that. But there, there's something not quite right with those statements. And you know what it is? I, yes, it is the emphasis on myself. You know, we, we emphasize that, we ha- that our faith, we receive God's grace. By our faith, we receive God's grace. You know, our current culture here in America is all about ourselves. You know, we, on social media, people are always trying to show their best side. Uh, we personalize everything. Everything is about the individual. Selfies are rampant. Everything, selfie, selfie, constantly taking selfies, you know, we emphasize individuality and we almost even encourage worshiping ourselves in, in this culture nowadays. You know, and, and in that, you know, we want to attribute, you know, our salvation to something we did. But in, but in doing so, we take away the, the awesomeness. We take away the credit for receiving God's grace. We take it out of God's hands and into our own. We make it so that, you know, faith is all about how we happen to have faith. And more often than that, we, we, vow, we try to value our faith as if somehow the stronger you have faith you have or the more faith you have, the more deserving you are of God's reward. In fact, when was the last time you prayed and God did not answer in the way you wanted? I mean, I'm sure at some point in your life, you've probably thought, at least in the back of your mind, when that answer did not come, it's because I didn't pray hard enough or it's because I didn't have enough faith. I mean, we turn on the TV and so we see te- televangelists talking about if only you believe, God will bless you. You know, the, the faith healers who say, you know, you, do not have, you, you are not healed because you do not have a faith. Have more faith and you will be healed, my son. They say things like that. It's all about your role in faith. Part of, a big part of this comes from the story of when the woman climbed up to touch the hem of Jesus' robe. You know, here's a sick woman who's been bleeding. No one knows what to do. So she climbs up to Christ, just thinking, maybe this guy will heal me, and she touches his robe. You know, Christ looks around, who touched me? You know, and when he finds her, he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. you know, when we, when we look at our story, our, our inclination is to talk about how her faith healed her, about her strong belief, how her action in climbing and sneaking up to Christ to touch his robe healed her. And when we do that, we, we almost ignore, we, we, we turn God's grace, Jesus' power, his decision to, to give grace into supporting roles. Because of this, we often decide that God's decision not to act in the way we want is because of our lack of faith. You know, we say, if only you had more faith, like the woman in Mark 5. You know, the problem with this thinking is, we are so focused on our participation in faith. You know, we're so concerned with, with, with our own desires and feelings that if we, you know, we think if we just have faith, God will give us a reward. You know, If I have enough faith, God will give me a raise. If, if I pray hard enough, God is going to heal my family. But when we talk about the measure of our faith instead of faith alone, you know we're forced to come right back to grace. You know God, because grace tells us that God does not owe us anything. We are sinners. You know we're, we're trapped within a web of sin so complicated that only Christ taking it away can free us of it. Um, you know I, I talk to lots of people about why I believe in in God, and it it always comes back to grace because, you know we want to think about you know, good and evil, sin and good works is like a scale. You know, if, if the good works outweigh the sin, we're we're great. You know, if the sin outweighs the, the, the good, then we're in trouble. You know, and, but how how do we decide? Is our, for every sin that we commit, do we need to do three good works, two good works, five good works? Is there a valuation system of, you know, we tend to think of some sins as worse than others, so it's surely, you know, we need to do more good works for, you know, when... You know, when we look at, look at things on the internet we shouldn't see. Maybe we need to do more there. Or if we hurt our spouse, we need to do more there. And taking, you know, you know a kid taking a cookie from the cookie jar, you know, all they need, they don't really need to worry about that. You know, there's, there's no point system to sins. Like this sin is three points. This sin is five points. This, this good deed is ten points. There's, there's nothing like that. God never gave it to us. And in fact, even if there was a point system, you know, we always feel like once we're good, when we commit a sin, we always feel like we're in the negative. It's like we're back down to nothing, and we got to do more good works to get caught back up. You know, it seems like we can't... I wish we could do enough good works. as like an insurance against those future bad, but it never feels that way. And the more and more you think about it, the more complicated it gets, and the more you realize it is impossible for us to get out from under sin. It is only by God's grace that he takes it away that we are free from sin. And, you know, it is is only by... You know, it is... God tells us this grace is for all of you. It is by, my, you know, it is by Christ's death on the cross, by His resurrection, that He has taken that sin away. And all you have, and all that is necessary for you to receive that grace is to have faith in Christ. You know, but we want to make that faith into something we can measure. You know, that's 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 just our habit. You know, it's just our nature as sinful beings. We want to believe we can do something. You know, uh, can, can we go to Romans 4? Okay. Um, so Romans 4, especially verses 4 and 5, says, Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. You know, that grace, we, we think God owes it to us because we have faith. You know, we, we act like grace is God's obligation to us. You know, somehow we believe that some, faith is like a great labor in which we're doing something good for God by having faith. We, there, you know, there's preachers around the world who tell you if you just have the right heart and mind, you can have that grace too. You will get God's blessings if you are strong enough in your faith. You know, I, I, I fall victim to this. You know, I'm a sinner, but as a missionary, you know, a lot of people like to act as if somehow missionaries are like the elite special forces of the church that we go into these, these other countries, that we have tremendous faith more than anybody else to do this where, no, where there's not all these other Christians. And, and, you know, I buy into that sometimes. I, there are a lot of times where I feel like that's the case, where I'm supposed to be God's chosen and I get frustrated with work, and I'm thinking, I'm following God's calling. Why is he not giving me what I need? You know, I think, I'm here, God. I'm in Cambodia. I'm working with street children, trying to save them and tell them about you. Why aren't you giving me more support? Where is the money I need for this? When do I get to take a break? You know, and I think I have friends. You know, I have friends who are church workers here in the U.S., some of them in... Nice in very well-to-do communities, in fact. And, you know, a while ago, I saw one of them going on a vacation to Cabo San Lucas. They had it all over Facebook. And I I thought, God, I'm living on less than a quarter of what they're making. I'm in Cambodia. I'm following your calling. When do I get to have nice things? When do I get to go on a fancy vacation? You know, where is my reward, God? And, you know, I I never really say it out loud but I always think it in my head and pray it in my heart you know because when I say it out loud to God I know how wrong it is but I do say God I'm following your calling you owe me and I you know I know how wrong that is but it's still in my heart it's in many of our hearts God knows it And and we and we think we have such faith why is God not giving us what we need why is God not being gracious to us you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is that God does not owe us jack squat. You know, if, if God was, our, was an earthly father, you know, we, you know, in this analogy would be that 35-year-old son who's living in his parents' basement, no job, assuming that because he's their son, they owe it to him to keep taking care of him, when in reality, the parents are totally justified in kicking him out on his butt and saying, get a job. You know, but God is faithful to You know, um, sorry. There, there. In fact, that's the part of faith that we don't often think about. That's the part of faith we forget about. You know, God's part in faith, His participation in faith. You know, think about the word trust in Romans five for a minute. You know, the other definition faith here it says complete trust or confidence in someone or something. You know, even on our money we have the words in God we trust. We trust in God because he is faithful to us. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9 says, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. Because we are his children, God is faithful to us. Because he made us, he wants to be in a relationship with us, he wants us to be close to him, he wants to give us his grace. You know, coming back to the concept of earthly parents, you know, um, last week on Monday at 1 a.m., I got a call from my wife that she had been in a car accident in Cambodia. It wasn't anything serious, thank God. Um, The steering knuckle on the wheel gave out, and she lost control of the car, came to a sudden stop in the middle of the road, didn't hit anyone or anything, anything, thankfully, you know, but she was on the way to take kids to school, and they're all okay. But she called me, you know, obviously shooken up by this, and you know, this car is 20 years old, it's been breaking suddenly this just catastrophically fails, like we don't even feel safe with this thing, so I told her just to sell it. And you know, up in Minnesota, before I even had a chance to ask them about it, my parents made a decision. They, they just, you know, they, they thought, you know, they probably thought, you know, we're retired, we're traveling the world over, we're enjoying ourselves, you know, they've given me Far more, you know, they've, they have paid for my raising me, they paid for my education, they've allowed me to borrow a lot of money in my life and they don't owe me anything. If anything, I owe them an awful lot, which I can never repay. But they decided, before I even asked them, that they were going to help us to replace the car, to get another car, because Sinu needs it to take kids to school. Like, she can't put three kids on a motorcycle in Cambodia, even if I was okay with her being on a motorcycle with a baby. But they, they said, these are our children, and they, go- they decided that they were going to be faithful to their children, to me. I, I very easily could have rejected that. I could have said, I don't want it, Mom, but it doesn't matter. Whether or not I, no matter how I act towards my parents, they will always see me as their son, and they want to be faithful to me. You know, no matter how far away I go, no matter how f- how hard we, we try to get away from something, you know, our parents are still faithful to us. And whether we have little faith, great faith, or no faith, God is faithful to us. And so, in fact, our role in faith, our participation in faith, is not, you know, how great our faith is or how, how, we, how we come to faith. Our role in faith is when we choose to reject God's grace, when we choose to ignore his faithfulness, you know, because no matter how much I reject God, he remains faithful to me. That grace is always available to me. He is constantly trying to give it to us. You know, if we have no faith, you know, we don't receive God's grace, not because, we don't, not because you know, of anything we've done, but because we're, we're rejecting God. If we reject God, it's because we don't trust him to be faithful. So, you know, as, as I've shared with you as a missionary, there are a lot of times when I buy into my own, my own myth that I'm the, the super Christian who's off in Cambodia in the foreign lands. Um, you know, and I, I often charge into ministry just thinking that because of my faith, because I believe God, that I'm going to succeed, that I'm going to do awesome things, and it's going to prosper. But, you know, mini- ministry is hard, and, and I'm frequently forced to acknowledge that my faith alone is not sufficient. You know, I I get tired, I get exhausted. Working with street kids is one of the most difficult jobs I've ever done in my life, dealing with these kids' problems, with their parents constantly making mistakes. It's draining mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, and I get tired and exhausted, and I, I am tired and exhausted. And even with this trip... You know, I've been stressed out because I was supposed to go to Houston, and with hu- hu- Hurricane Harvey, that was completely wiped out. I've been trying hard to reschedule my, my, my church visits. Some I haven't even figured out where I'm going on the last Sunday of this trip. And then, of course, the beginning of this week, my wife calls me. She's been in an accident. And then less than 24 hours later, I get a call from the staff that Heng's been in an accident, and we need to pay, the, you know, he needs help with the medical bills. And, you know, I, it, that is draining. That is exhausting. That is discouraging in a lot of ways. And really, what what got me set on this track towards thinking about what is our role in faith and God's faithfulness to us is, is being you know in this low point and talking to one of my friends, my friend Doug. You know, I I was t- he's a former missionary to uh, Zimbabwe, and he was talking to me about what about the story of Jesus walking on the water. You know, he. We all know the story. There's a storm, the disciples are in a boat, they're scared, and then suddenly they see Jesus calmly walking across the water, and Peter calls out, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out to you on the water. And Christ tells him to come out to him on the water. And Peter gets out of the boat, and he starts walking, and then he sees the wind and the waves, he takes his eyes off God, and he starts to sink, and he cries out for help. And then Jesus reaches out and grabs Peter's hand and pulls him back up, and he says, you of little faith, why do you doubt? You know, I, I, I wish there was more context in the Bible about how Christ said those words, uh, you know, and so I run through it in my head, and I think, all right, what, what, what was Christ feeling when he said that to Peter? Was he angry? You of little faith, why did you doubt? I mean, that. And I think that doesn't sound like Christ. And I think, was, was he disappointed in Peter? You of little faith, why, why did you doubt? And I think that doesn't sound like, like Christ either. But um, you know, I think about it, how, did, how would my father, how, how would I say it to my son? How would you know, a heavenly father say it to us? And I think, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You know, When my kids make a mistake, I know why they did, did it. Or I usually know why they did it. It doesn't stop me from asking them why. Why did you pinch your sister? Why did you take that from your, your brother? I still ask them. I'm not, you know, I don't come at them with a disappointed attitude. I don't think Christ would want us to feel horrible for not having enough faith because the fact, the fact is we, we, we are humans. We are sinful. You know, a lot of people will talk about the point of the story is at least Peter got out of the boat. He had enough faith to get out of the boat. And other people will say the moral of the story is don't take your eyes off Jesus. You know, but those still talk about us. That talks about Peter's role in, in, in the story. You know, and the fact of the matter is, you know, my friend Doug was telling me there, there's always going to be wind and waves in our lives. We're always going to be buffeted. We're always going to have problems. We're always going to have doubts. We are sinful people. We are always going to have points when we take our eyes off Christ. You know, no one can always keep their eyes on Christ and keep themselves above the waves. We can't do it. You know, and it was not Peter's great faith that saved him. It was Christ's faithfulness to Peter that saved him. It didn't matter how much faith Peter had in Christ. Christ was going to reach out to him no matter what. You know, in, in this sinful world, it has nothing to do with our level of faith, with our, the measure of our faith to earn God's grace. You know, faith is our trust in God by which he gives us. He is faithful to us and he gives us that grace. And that's why the second definition of of faith, you know, which says, which equates it to trust, I think that's the better definition of faith. You know, God, we trust that God is faithful, that we trust that he is looking out for us. You know, and Like I said, it doesn't matter whether we have a lot of faith or a little faith, a lot of trust or a little trust. God is always faithful to us. So trust that even though your faith alone is never enough, that in God's faithfulness, he gives us grace. The measure of our faith will never attain grace. It is by trust in God and his faithfulness to us. That is faith alone. And that is how he gives us grace. Uh, thank you and God's blessings to all of you.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.